You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Many tech experts are predicting huge changes with the new 5G cellular signal. They say 5G will make data connections instantaneous and will revolutionize many up-and-coming technologies, including driverless cars, remote healthcare, emergency services, augmented reality, and much more. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. So what exactly is 5G, and why are so many people predicting a major transformation from it? How will it impact our lifestyles, and how will it affect real estate and real estate investors? Our guest today, Samantha Rodicia, is an emerging tech and innovation expert with Singularity University. She's also the author of Bitcoin Pizza, The No Bullshit Guide to Blockchain. And she's here with us today on The Real Wealth Show to give us a little glimpse into the future. Maybe cleaner cities, faster emergency services, and more responsive self-driving cars, just to name a few things. So Samantha, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Great. Thank you for having me. Well, many tech experts are predicting big changes with the new 5G cell signal. But what exactly does 5G mean and what do we need to know? So that's a great question and definitely something that's quite confusing. So 5G in and of itself isn't a technology. It's actually a wireless standard for a group of multiple technologies. So anything across, you know, projects in networking or communications or how data centers themselves are architected. And so really what it is, is is a global standards project or initiative you know, that is kind of the subsequent efforts in standards that had started with 3G and 4G and even before that. And the thing is, previously, we still haven't gotten to a point in communications of having one universal standard. They're obviously competing standards and therefore fragmented coverage or approaches. And really beyond just the global and kind of universal initiative of 5G, what's different about it is that The earlier standards projects were focused more on consumer applications and access to the networks. And this is now bringing together consumer and industry and enterprise. And so we talk a lot about things like the future of industry or industry 4.0 or smart cities or autonomous vehicles, all of these kind of grand futuristic thoughts about automated delivery services and cars charging themselves at car parts and and things like that. But really, that's not possible with the technologies that we have today. And and we're kind of at this inflection point where with 5G and the approaches that it'll usher in and the new technologies that it'll it'll bring in is also a, a massive transformation for the enterprise. Okay. Why are so many people thinking it will affect transportation? So one, you're looking at, I mean, even developed countries, there are still areas of a lack of coverage because right now, a lot of the infrastructure is based in larger data centers or cell towers. So you see them around. And so it's kind of based on the radius that's available from that one location. And so one of the transformations with 5G is having higher frequency networks that are more distributed or decentralized. So if you're thinking on a highway or driving down a road and you see a lot of like street lamps, you know, you can imagine rolling out the routers or or cellular networks to be kind of more like mesh networks on 
perhaps even all of the street lamps. And so that will lead to things like coverage in areas where maybe perhaps they're more rural. It also doesn't require or necessitate these large fiber optic cables, again, leading to either like real estate buildings or infrastructure or new uh, industrial developments. And so again, when you're talking about the future of transportation or the automotive space or trucking, we're seeing these other technologies that are converging right now, like autonomous vehicles. That's a very hot topic. But you know, you have to imagine the vehicles will need to be constantly connected to the cloud, constantly processing information, both from their own sensors, like so speaking to other vehicles that are on the road, taking in data from their surroundings, taking in satellite or other information about GPS or location, and processing, you know, immense amount of data in real time. And so with both the spotty coverage of the current kind of networks, you know, that's why a lot of people say 5G is an enabling technology, because with a denser and higher speed communications network, then it'll be able to actually enable what would be required for, let's say, autonomous trucks or autonomous Ubers. Okay. So if I were to summarize that, people might be able to live in more remote places because they would be able to be connected. Yeah. So an example of this that I recently personally experienced, and this was through working with some real estate developers, both in Thailand and the Caribbean, and they were wanting to create basically a tech hub for a group of digital nomads. You know, a lot of people are spending time particularly in Thailand and in more rural or remote areas. And one of the big barriers to entry or roadblocks is bringing in the infrastructure. And so in terms of like the current need, it would be needing to bring in fiber optic cables and things to connect to the networks or have high quality or faster speeds. So with 5G, you wouldn't need to basically install this sort of infrastructure. It would be connected again to like wireless and more densely populated hubs as opposed to the fiber or the cell towers. So it certainly can enable development in more remote areas and open up opportunities that would otherwise be too costly of a project. And it also, again, there's a lot of talk around solving of this last mile problem. So again, the disconnect between where the hub might be or connecting and building entire city blocks to being able to be more flexible with that. So the signal is not transmitted from a satellite or it is? No, it's not. So it would be a network of basically 5G boxes or routers in the way that, you know, in your home communication system, let's say you'd have a, you know, a wireless router and then, you know, the the kind of mesh network extenders. Just imagine that on a much larger scale. Is that why there's so much talk about 5G being a different... I'm sure you've seen some of the reports of people saying that it's affecting humans differently because it's a higher frequency and it's a different frequency. I I don't know if you've read those reports. I have. I mean, I've read them on many different technologies. (laughs) Not a physician. So I, you know, I don't think we have enough data or research to see what this stuff is going to do to people. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I can imagine that it would have some sort of impact. Yeah, it's uh, definitely something we've never done before. But from a personal standpoint, we just see these big, fat cables in our town that make it just so ugly to drive up the street with all these poles and cables. And 
It sounds like potentially in the future, 5G would eliminate the need for those big, thick fiber optic cables. Is that true? Right. And eliminating the need for the fiber for the cell towers. And so you end up with a distributed network with the smaller, almost router sized boxes. So the example, again, I like to think of if we have all these telephone pole or lampposts and you know, you're seeing already the transformations of putting little solar cells to power the lights. And so there would be a similar example of smaller data centers moving the computing power closer to, you know, where it's actually being processed. So perhaps if there's an autonomous truck driving across the country and it's communicating directly with the box that's like nearest to it. And there's some sort of like processing that needs to occur instead of being routed all the way up to the cloud, you know, things like that. Hmm. It almost seems like it would be less vulnerable to attack. Also, I I once did a story on how vulnerable we are to just another country blowing up our satellites or something. But in this case, it's not even we're not even using we're not even talking about satellites. Yeah. Would it be difficult to disrupt? I mean, let's say someone wanted to um, disrupt or cause some kind of violence on America. And and if we've got all these autonomous cars, could they go in and mess with the system? (laughs) I mean, what I some of the stories I've heard from before, they could just blow up the satellite. But would you say this is more or less vulnerable to that type of thing? So I'd say, I mean, again, so 5G refers to a group of technologies So I believe that satellites are included in the technologies that could be enabling technologies for 5G, which is, you know, what they say is like the network of networks. So there might be satellites that are serving up this information. There might be like, again, traditional data centers that are extended through these routers. Like it's a combination of things. But I certainly think over centralization of infrastructure is a security risk. You know, if you have everything in one location and it can be compromised through a variety of both physical or software based attacks or even just natural disasters. I think about, you know, with server farms or that infrastructure where you have these large data centers and traditionally, you know, maybe you'd have a huge data center in Arizona or there were some in Houston or New Orleans. And if something happens, a natural disaster, a flood Uh, a bad storm, then you can imagine outages for not, you know, some of the largest websites or experiences. And we've seen a lot of those. I mean, Cloudflare, which, you know, is a cloud service provider for a lot of large software companies that you use every day was down and therefore they were down, their websites were down. And so you imagine in a situation where we would need our communications, we'd need that uptime, you know, or again, when we're saying, we start relying on more robotics, more automation. We don't want those autonomous vehicles to all of a sudden disconnect from the network because there's been, you know, some sort of compromise or just, you know, storm, and then they shin to each other. So while these technologies might be getting close to being available or ready, the infrastructure is really the key to unlocking all of this. And I do, I completely agree with the safety side of it in terms of, you know, the more distributed and decentralized it is, certainly the more coverage that you have, but also the safer it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. So 
What areas are already using 5G? A lot of the talk in the space is around, you know, the real-time virtual and augmented reality, because I would assume it's just easier to demo. So you're, in terms of that, imagining real-time, you know, you're wearing like the Google Glass, which, you know, didn't succeed after they launched that years ago. But now Snap just announced the spectacles that they have. And they're, it's kind of moving back into that phase of people having basically like an AirPod in or glasses that would give you real-time feedback of, you know, pricing, you know, going through a store and it's showing you the prices of everything. Or you're meeting a person and it's instantly going to the cloud and cross-referencing their face and showing you their LinkedIn profile you know, real-time language translation, all of these things are coming onto the market or already on the market. In the context of transportation or or entertainment or real estate, you know, I know there because it's a, a slightly longer timeline, I would say that the environments on the city scale or smart city scale are like starting to move in that direction. And when I say that, I mean, are being built with 5G in mind or anticipated, but maybe not necessarily in use today quite yet. So the similar example is in this example of drone delivery. I mean, there was a lot of talk over the past couple of years of Amazon or other large companies wanting to employ drone delivery for packages. And so, you know, some newer apartment buildings and condominiums and major or newer cities are being built with drone delivery ports. And of course, the infrastructure required to do that. It's not just managing the airspace from the regulatory side, but this is also, again, an area for 5G where you're needing that real-time processing of high amounts of data and connection for these drones if they're flying around all in our skies. And so, you know, these are examples that are, it's not literally 5G, but it's like a ancillary effect of it. And so I'd say we're seeing it on that scale and projects that are starting to roll out. Another one that I often use as an example um, in respect to the you know machine communications or machine to machine interactions in the context of cities and grids responding to supply and demand is smart trash collection. So I know Google Sidewalk Labs has been working in Toronto to pilot something like this, and I live in New York City, so you know I still see kind of the mess that is our waste management system. And it's, you know, just on a schedule. And some things get filled up or overflowing and there's trash on the streets and the waste management companies still just stick to the schedule. And I think now there's these combinations of technologies where you're seeing trash cans with sensors in them that measure data of when it's half full or three quarters full or completely full in processing all of that in real time to route the different collections vehicles to different areas based on demand and making the most efficient grid. So sort of like how an Uber would work in terms of routing or connecting a a driver to a passenger. But all of these things, they're being built on the infrastructure side. So if you're building a new building in New York City, and it's a residential building, and you have the waste management side of it, maybe there will be a system that's integrating with it that's integrated in turn with this non-existent smart trash collection company, and you'll hear about it. And that's probably where it is now, like people are building the software and infrastructure, but maybe not on the level of, you know, this futuristic 
wide scale adoption. I think in newer cities that have the benefit of building infrastructure from the ground up, it might be a little farther ahead. Interesting. So what would you say would be the rollout expectations, the timeline? I mean, when do you think it'll become just the way we do business? So, I mean, it's not necessarily that it's coming. It's already here. And so, you know, AT&T's network is rolled out in 12 U.S. cities. I think there are over 30 5G compatible or 5G ready devices for mobile phones this year. You know, when you ask and if you look at the statistics of when are people ready to adopt this, it's still on the consumer side, like taking a wait and see approach. There's definitely been a lot more talk and excitement, again, on the enterprise or industrial level. So we're talking about, you know, if you're thinking of the future of a distribution center, so you have a, a massive warehouse or, or manufacturing plant or distribution center where you are moving from more human kind of mediated assembly lines or things like that to robotically enhanced or completely automated system. Then again, even just rolling out network and connectivity within that location or campus is, you know, an incredible advancement. So I'd say the rollout there, that's happening now. But again, you have to imagine a lot of companies that are on different timelines in terms of where they even are. I I mean, I've worked with folks that are still doing on-prem storage versus moving to the cloud. Like that's been a whole initiative for years of Microsoft and the larger companies uh, working to to shift people to the cloud. And like that is something that's still for a lot of companies, a, a massive infrastructural transformation. So I think definitely more on the consumer side, of course, it'll just kind of happen um, in terms of the devices that are connected to it and enabled by it. And then also, again, on the more forward thinking enterprise customers. And the download speeds will be dramatically increased, right? So that could create all sorts of new services and businesses like facial recognition, city level, real time, right? ID surveillance. I mean, I think that's something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So those are, again, when I'm thinking about and talking about or studying any technology, one, it's so important that we educate ourselves about it so we can make decisions as business owners, investors, leaders, or just people of how best to use it and responsibly use it. So certainly you could imagine equally as dystopian examples or uses of, you know, police state or surveillance state. Um, You could also look at it on the positive side. And again, with the example, if you have real-time facial recognition, and again, I don't know if this is the future I want to live in, but it will happen of like, if I don't remember someone's name and I get a little ping that's like, oh, this is this person, I could say hi. Um, you know, we might get a little disconnected. And I think I've, I've read a lot of studies that are suggesting that with 5G, we'll have, you know, more people will be more addicted to and more glued to their phones. I imagine by that time where, again, we have this amazing enabling technology, we'll probably have other interfaces with it. It won't be like your cell phone. Maybe you'll have AirPods in and glasses on and a little touch screen that pops out from your arm. Like, (laughs) I I think there, it will go a lot farther than that. But yeah, certainly, I mean, on the gaming space and the entertainment side of things, um, one, like way higher quality streaming. So you look at esports, and there was just this, like, 
large World Cup or World Tournament for Fortnite, which if anyone has kids in middle school or high school or even adults do this, it's kind of the biggest thing. And they just had a massive tournament and with screens. And that's how people are watching this. It's not like live basketball or football. And so, you know, this will be enabling technology for these kinds of social experiences in a large stadium style arena. So like being able to stream that video in high quality, but also even on the go. So a lot of games of that nature, you need to use a gaming console or be at home and download the games. And so with this, you'll be able to play them directly in the cloud or streaming video content without really any latency. So certainly a noticeable difference, but I think the really exciting things to think about are, again, what sorts of businesses and ideas will be enabled by it. And I mean, basically anything that you think of that people will share in terms of like sci-fi or futuristic thinking of like, what will a city look like? I think if you really get to the root of it, what will be like the biggest enabling technology, I'd say it's this one. And it seems like it would almost feel like you're there. If you were watching a Times Square on New Year's Eve or something, it would feel more real. Yeah. And I do think a lot about that as well as we're moving to more distributed lifestyles, not just in terms of the values of how we architect like a communications network or set up standards, but also the movement of people. So one, if this technology is part of what's enabling people to work in a distributed fashion or remotely from all corners of the planet, it's the thing that'll enable people to be their own banks. So I do a lot of work in the blockchain or crypto space. But again, all of this first requires a reliable network before you're using your cell phone to connect to, you know, other people for peer to peer instant money transfers. But there's also again, this element of okay, if I'm living in some remote area in whatever country, and I don't have to rely necessarily on going to some sort of town to send money or go to a bank, or I don't have to rely to travel to a city to get a good job. I can do it wherever I am and connect to an international network of people. You know, you start to think of then what will be the other technologies. And that's, again, all in VR and augmented reality. You know, the development of these virtual worlds where look at us right now, we're talking through either a computer or a phone screen. We're already spending a lot of our days kind of plugged into this matrix-like you know, we're already in it, but it's just not the greatest experience or interface with it. You know, I'm, I'm not fully like jumping in with my body, my form and avatar. We can't see each other. And if we did video chat, it would still be kind of flat or like we're going through this portal. And so, you know, if, if you're looking on that, both in the trends of future of work and this technology enabling people to be more spread about, and we have, again, autonomous vehicles or drones that will then enable things like bringing the grocery store or the pharmacy or even the doctor to your home, well, then, of course, we're going to become more and more disconnected. And we still need human connection, we still need to kind of be able to see gestures. And so that's, there's a lot of work going into having low latency virtual worlds. So I don't know if you've tried virtual reality goggles or any of the games or ski games, you know, there was a time where because there was a lag, it was too slow, that you would get motion sickness because there was just that little bit of like higher latency 
challenges. And now it's as it gets faster, it feels closer and closer to reality, which again, it might unlock and help people cross what they call the uncanny valley. So this area where, you know, it's still it feels too too fake and then you get all weirded out by it versus like, you know, embracing it as your reality. I think this will unlock completely new range of those sorts of technologies, which then has implications, I think, in terms of what will housing look like? Will people care about, you know, will you want a larger home on land somewhere? Will people just live in boxes stacked on top of each other in cities? Will they go out and socialize or will they go in to these worlds and socialize? Like, what will that be? And I think that also has a lot of implications. Again, it's sort of indirectly. So we can draw direct conclusions to real estate and the future of cities of, yeah, sure, this will change how the infrastructure is built or you won't have to, you know, connect to fiber. And then there's this this second sort of more abstract way of thinking about it, where if we think and we we buy this proposition that this technology will enable more distributed work and the nature of how people socialize or live will change, then again, what is the nature of their residential real estate? What is the nature of uh, commercial real estate? Is there commercial real estate at all? Is retail a concept that exists in, in the future? Will there be gyms? I mean, I've seen these other virtual reality tools enabled by this technology that are literally, um, I don't know if you've seen Peloton, which is a workout bike that has a screen on it, and you can go on bike classes with other people all around the world. And so the next phase is with virtual reality. And, you know, you can get on this board with goggles and go paddle boarding in virtual Bali with your friend during your, a work break. So, <laughs> I mean... Yeah, we laugh, but I I do think about, again, what that looks like in terms of what physical space will look like in a world like this. Wow. What we do know is it's going to be a very different world in, uh, I don't know, five, 10 years. I don't know how long it's going to take, but for sure, I know that 10 years from now, it's going to be a very different world. Oh, absolutely. And again, I would say in terms of rollout expectations and timeline, it's probably sooner than that. Mainly because, again, across technologies, if you look at, they're all converging and accelerating at a rate that is unprecedented. And I think the ease by which we can write and roll out software, create new experiences, you know, it's it's easier than ever before. So I would be ready for it. And certainly, I guess, just keep an eye out for the side effects, because it's hard what we're talking about is quite abstract. So it might not be something that you see in your daily life. But if you look, you know, if you know where to look, then it's already happening. Mm -hmm. Well, if you were, you know, you might be that person who just wants to live in town in your little, your little box of a home, but have access to pretty much the whole world through your goggles. Uh, but you might also want to live in a remote place, like you said, have um, drones bring your packages for you. Uh, be able to probably 3D print whatever you need. I already yeah. have one of our own uh, Real Wealth Network employees lives pretty remotely, and he's been using his 3D printer for all kinds of things. It's it's incredible. It's already out there being used. You can certainly have solar power, but what about water? I mean, that to me is the the biggest problem with infrastructure if you're really going to live out in the middle of nowhere. 
Well, I don't know how much the net 5G will relate to this. Although if it yeah, if it does enable you to live remotely, yeah, water is important. I mean, I think that is probably the biggest global challenge um, that we're facing or one of the biggest in terms of, uh, you know, resource availability. I've seen, you know, various technologies, people that are working to create technologies to basically like collide atoms and create water out of the air. Obviously, that is still too expensive. But at a certain point, if we were ever to run out of available water, of course, that would be an option. But I mean, reverse osmosis, desalinization plants, I spoke to a woman on the molecular biology side who's created this film, uh, you know, a living organism that, you know, basically acts or does the the function of reverse osmosis through just the, the power of the sun without any kind of mechanical process. So, I mean, there are certainly technologies available in terms of how to distribute or decentralize that. Uh, that's still a question. I think the best bet would probably be these more advanced technologies that, you know, is kind of a, a form of alchemy. But yeah, I would agree with you on that point. <laughs> well, hopefully we figure that piece out because I'm in California and we can always use oh, more yeah. water. <laughs> yeah, certainly. <laughs> well, Samantha, thank you so much for sharing your insights and wisdom with us here on The Real Well Show. Great. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Kathy. Thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. We've got so much to look forward to this next decade. I'm Kathy Fecky. You can listen to this and any past shows at realwealthshow.com.